What's up guys, it's Pastor Mark. This week, in place of a normal midweek manna, I wanted to deliver a special message on sharing your faith story with people in your life who have yet to come to know Jesus Christ personally as their Savior and Lord. A God story is a, this is how I've seen God in my life story. It's the message of Jesus' forgiveness through the vehicle of you and your life and your experience. Even if you don't think yours is very interesting, God still wants to use you to be an extension of his smile and his heart and his message. You know, when I first came to faith, this was talked about a lot, but honestly, I don't hear many preachers or churches talking about sharing your God story. And that includes this church, Fierce. So we're going to change that right now. What you're going to hear is three talks that I gave on another Fierce podcast, the Fierce Leadership Podcast. You should subscribe to that too. Now, this is a simplified version. I wanted to keep this simple. The question that's being asked is, what are the main ingredients in a lifestyle that leads to helping people find Jesus. I would encourage you to not be intimidated by this. Listen for one thing that you can do that would increase your evangelistic heat. That's your challenge. Now, there are a couple of PDFs that go along with this. So if you go to the website, you can download those PDFs and we'll put a link in the description as well. Enjoy the message. Today, we want to talk about how to share your God story. If you're going to be a Christian leader, we have to have this thing down of not only valuing the gospel and sharing it with people, but actually knowing how to share it, having a plan that is informed by scripture to help other people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it's really a three-part basic plan, okay? I'm going to give you the three parts, then we're going to pull them all apart. So first, number one, pray for them. Number two, be around them. And number three, invite them. Those are That's pretty much it, man. Pray for them, be around them, and invite them. That's the three-part plan. Let's start with the first part, which is pray for them. And we're going to call this spiritual preparation. Spiritual preparation is necessary if we're going to lead people to come to know Jesus Christ. You know, I can remember when I first came to know the Lord, and I would just kind of like jump in, kind of like you just might go uh, jump into a cold pool because you want to get it over with and get used to the water. I would just jump into conversations with people about Christ. Not that it's bad to have the boldness to want to do that, but I was under-preparing. So when I was a kid, my mom, she actually still does this. She makes these amazing Christmas cookies every year. They're my very favorite kind of cookie. And I wanted to know how to make them. So once when she was making them as a kid, I'm like, Mom, will you show me how to do this? And what I couldn't get down was the right flour amount. Okay, if you put in too much flour, they no longer taste the way that they should. They're not sweet enough. They taste, you know, a little bit bready. Uh, but if you don't put enough flour in, then it's when you're rolling out the dough, trying to cut these cookies, it sticks to the table. In order for the Christmas cookies to taste the right way, the cookie dough needs to be prepared the right way. And souls are similar. Their soul has to be prepared the right way with regard to how we're understanding it theologically and how we're praying for it. I'm not saying that the Lord hasn't gone before us in a lot of cases and done a lot of the preparation, but if we're going to be thoughtful and effective in terms of how we're trying to go about this, a strategy, we need to get our spiritual preparation down. So let me talk to you about six theological keys for effective witnessing. We're going to go through, through these super quick uh, we have an entire workshop on this, but I just want to get this information to you quickly. So uh, number one, the lost son in the story of the prodigal son is actually 
everyone. That is the everyone. Every person, men and women, are spiritually lost, dead, and blind. They have run away from their father, wanting to think they can do it on their own. And every one of them must have a moment of coming to their senses and turning to the father and asking for his forgiveness. Now, I'm aware that some people grew up in a Christian home. They grew up in such a way that that was always their presupposition. So I'm not saying that uh, those who didn't have a you know a dramatic salvation experience need to worry about their salvation. I know that there are cases where in the home, that is just how it was always understood. Praise God for that. But for most of the world, what they need is they need a coming of their senses because they themselves are the lost son. Everybody you know, that is true of them until they come to Christ. Second theological key it takes a work of God for someone to get saved. Jesus was super clear about this. John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. We have to go knowing if God doesn't go before me and prepare this soul to hear the gospel, it doesn't really matter what I do. This is not a human thing. This is a God thing that needs to take place. That's why we can beat our head against the wall for years, wishing someone would come to Christ. And we've explained it to them seven ways from Saturday, and yet they still have not. uh, There's something missing in the heart because the work of grace needs to be done in the heart. Here's the third key. God wants everyone to be saved. This really impacts how we're thinking about sharing the gospel. If we think that God, he only wants a few. Now, I'm aware that not everyone will be saved. We know this. We know Ephesians 3.11, that God works everything according to his own purpose, after the counsel of his own will. Absolutely, that happens, but also 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 is true. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants, God's desire is that every person comes to Jesus Christ. God knows that won't happen, so he still works everything together according to the counsel of his own purpose. He still exalts his purpose even above his will and says, my purpose will happen no matter what humans choose, but his heart yearns for every person you know. There's no one who he's like, nope, not them. Every person you know, he wants them to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This is one of the reasons it's so important as we're thinking about sharing the gospel that we begin with the love of God. We need to be convinced, not just that, oh man, everyone's a sinner and they need to get it. Yes, that's true. But we need to start with the idea that God loves this person and wants them to be saved, to know his love. It was because of love that the Father sent Jesus because of his great love for people. We need to see everyone has a soul that God loves. Okay, so we said the first key, uh, the lost son of the prodigal son story is everyone. Number two, it takes a work of God for someone to get saved. Number three, God wants everyone to be saved. Number four, repentance and faith are a result of encountering the word. I could preach about this all day, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That word, word is rhema. That means not just the concepts of the gospel, but a spirit personalized word to their heart. Many of you know how this goes. When you came to to faith in Christ, there was something about it that was 
convincing, but also convicting. You knew that God was telling you that you need to be saved. That is what is necessary. People need to have repentance and faith as a result of encountering the Word of God and specifically a Spirit-birthed version of the Word of God that they understand, oh, God is asking me personally to put my faith in Christ. This also means that living by example alone does not lead people to Christ. Okay, It is by hearing the word of Christ that people come to Christ. That's why uh, preachers need to be sent. That's why witnesses need to share. We need to testify as witnesses about something. So we should forsake the idea it is important to be a great example. And we're not all gifted the same way with communication. But we just need to understand, even if it's not me that explains it, it is not an osmosis process. I need to get someone around a place where it will be explained to them what not only the elements of the gospel are, but that God himself is speaking it to them. And that is a faith moment uh, where they're encountering God's word. Here's number five, fifth key. Found people, find people. Here's what we mean. And this is kind of the, the thesis of this entire talk right now. It is not possible to be a faithful Christian, much less a Christian leader, and not desire to be involved in more and more people coming to a Christ. This is not something that we can say, well, that part of it is not for me. There's pieces of the Christian life that honestly, you could probably get away with not specializing in. You could probably not so much worry about how this denomination does that or what historically happened in church history back then. But nobody can really say, I care about the things God cares about if you don't care about lost people coming to Christ. This is our job, by the way. 2 Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God. And what he was just referring to is the idea of a new creation, that the old has passed away and the new has come. All of that is from God. Oh, good to know that salvation comes from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, glory to God, and gave us the ministry of of reconciliation. The evangelization of the world and our family and our friends is on us. Nobody else is coming, so we have to own it and believe it and receive it. Believers are clearly commanded to evangelize. Now, many people are ready to respond to the gospel. They just don't know how. Therefore, we have to come up with strategies and ways to share it that seem natural to us. And that's part of the problem with us is it's not natural. Really, no one ever showed us how. So we want to just put some things in our arsenal. That's what we'll talk about in the last part of this talk of how we do that in a way where it's not on us, but we're ready to go when, when God is like, hey, I'm ready to put them in. Here's the sixth key. Spiritual growth will stall unless you're intentional with people outside the church. Oh man, this is so important. Sharing our faith, sharing our God story helps us grow. There's got to be a, a point where we say, I can't just receive truth forever. I have to get truth out. There's a percentage of the body of Christ that is a spiritual gift of evangelism, but most of us don't. I know that I don't. That doesn't mean we're off the hook. We have got to share our faith in spirit-led ways, in practiced ways, in order to help people come to Christ because it helps our spiritual growth. And we actually will begin to stall if we don't make sharing our faith a regular part of what we do. So six keys. Here they are again. The lost son in the story of the prodigal son is everyone. Everybody is that person, and they need an experience of coming to their senses. 
Number two, it takes a work of God for someone to get saved. Number three, God wants everyone to be saved. Number four, repentance and faith are the result of encountering the word of God, specifically a personalized, spirit-personalized word about Jesus from the Bible. Number five, found people find people. It is our job. Number six, spiritual growth will stall unless we're intentional with people outside the church. Now that's really good preparation. I believe that's going to make some good cookies. And why we need to care about this is because good theology helps us not only think about it the right way, but actually feel about it the right way. Good theology informs how we feel about things. It informs our faith level. It informs what we're confident about. So we need to have those theological ideas. We don't have to have them memorized, but we do have to have them internalized. With all of that, that is not going to make the best dough, though. There is one missing ingredient for this dough to make the very best Christmas cookie Christians. I don't know if that's a really good idea to say that, but you know what I'm talking about. It is prayer. It takes a long time often of prayer and seed sowing to see people come to Christ. I think about from time to time, all the people, the years before I came to know Christ, who I can think back and I'm like, oh, they were a Christian. I'll bet you they were praying for me. I'll bet you that's why when I came to Christ, It kind of seemed quick to me, but it really wasn't quick. And I've just found, you've probably found this too, when you pray for people to get saved, when you pray for them to become born again, when you pray for people to come to Christ and find forgiveness, they're a whole lot more likely to than when you don't. So we want to pray. We want to pray in general, like what would be good prayers for any person, and we want to pray according to the Spirit. What would be good for this person? So that means I'm going to pray stuff like, God, I'm praying for open doors to share the good news with this person, whether or not it's me. I'm praying for them to encounter the word. Remember what we said? We said they need to encounter the word of God or there's no way that they can really actually come to faith in Christ. We need them to have conviction of sin because part of salvation is repentance from sin and repentance from dead works of trying to establish their own righteousness. I want to pray for desperation for Jesus' forgiveness. That's how I felt when I came to know the Lord. I had slowly, and it was slow, it wasn't one talk with with a person. It was multiple different conversations and my own coming up against God's word, realizing, oh my word, I am evil. I am starting to understand the exceeding wickedness of sin. And it made Jesus' forgiveness not look like a given, but like a, oh, it's the only thing that will save me. We need to pray for spiritual understanding of the gospel. That means, again, not just conceptual, but the deep feeling of, I need this Savior. We need to pray that they have a sense, or that we have a sense of people's openness. You know, I don't want to just share and share and share with people that have a brick wall up right now. Maybe someday they won't, but they do in this moment. Lord, can you just show me the people you've already prepared? Maybe people have already been praying for them for a year or two. Help me pray for them and help me find the people that are open and not just, uh, I don't mind sowing seed into hard ground, but I'd rather just, you know, let's find some openness here uh, so that it's easy. Even just praying for me personally, God, who should I be praying for? Like who is in my vicinity that I don't know that a lot of work has already been done in their heart? Help me see that. And that they would experience this sense of, 
I think God is trying to get my attention. I think there's something, it's not, you know, people, they miss God all the time. Things just go over their head. We want to pray that they wouldn't miss that it is God himself. That's a very honoring and very like life halting thing. Wait a minute. God himself is trying to get a hold of little old me, not just humans. That is a powerful experience. So what do we say? It's really important in this first stage, spiritual preparation, that we prepare the Christmas cookie dough the right way. And we're going to do that by having good theology because good theology impacts how we feel about things and how we think about things and thus what we're going to be confident to step into. And it, of course, affects what we pray about. And then we need to actually do the prayer. We need to pray that sometimes even just what people particularly would would bring conviction in their life. Maybe there's things that would convict us that that wouldn't convict them at all, but God knows what would convict them. So we pray according to uh, the spirit, God, what do they need prayer about to loosen them up? And then what do they, how do I just pray about generally what people need? And we went through some ideas there. This is the first step in a relational strategy to help people come to know Christ. And it's really important that we understand this. It can take a long time of seed sowing through prayer and relational intentionality. We'll talk about next time in the next section uh, to see people come to Christ. So I charge you in Jesus' name, let's prepare the soil well. We can do this as we follow God's strategy. We're talking about how to share our God story, and we talked about a basic plan in the last section. We said there's really only three parts. Pray for them, be around them, and invite them. And we started with spiritual preparation. This is the Christmas cookie dough. We got to have the right theology and the right prayer. Now let's move on to deliberate intentionality. It is intentional. It is deliberate. You know, I'm not a fisherman. But if I was going to invest in fishing today, knowing what I know about how I have fished in the past, I would need a fish finder. You know what those are, right? They're this tool that uh, is installed in a boat that allows the fishermen to see under the water where the fish are. I have spent too many fishing trips wishing I knew where the fish were. I'd go out there with a friend and maybe I was with somebody that didn't know what they were doing. I definitely didn't know what I was doing. And so we would try different places, but it's like, dude, we're here a couple hours and we didn't catch nothing because we don't know where the fish are. Today, if I was going to invest in this, I would get a fish finder because, oh my word, dude, if there's something that can tell me where the fish are, I just want to go where the fish are. You might consider that cheating. I would just consider it um, the wisdom of somebody who wants to eat. So uh, I would try to get a fish finder. In the same way, we want to go where the fish are, evangelistically speaking. Jesus said that he would make the disciples and including us fishers of men. If we're going to be good fishers of men, we want to go where they are. Here's what we mean by deliberate intentionality. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen that people are going to be like, hey, can you tell me about your God? I think that has happened maybe twice in the past 25 years of my life. It doesn't happen very often. By contrast, when I steer the conversation into things of God, occasionally people are like, I don't really want to talk about that. But that has only happened like twice in the past 25 years. What is the point? The point is we need to have a relational strategy. We need to be thoughtful about this. 
when, where, and with whom am I going to seek to build relationship in order to share God's word and God's gospel with them? Here's what's true today, man. We need relationship, definitely. Okay, occasionally, maybe you'll just be teed up. Oh my word, you're in the right place at the right time. You're ready to share the gospel. That actually has happened to me once when I was part of a construction crew. Um, I'm with a group of meatheads and we're working in this room on fixing up a hotel. And I just have a captive audience of about 15 people. And somebody asks me kind of in a like, hey, Carter, why don't you tell us? Wasn't even a Christian to ask me. And I had like, you know, you get like three minutes. Oh boy, you better talk fast and get everything in. And I took the opportunity, but that almost never happens. Most of the time for someone to be open to us, we need to have built a relationship with them in such a way that they trust us. So here's the challenge for us. Not only do we spiritually prepare, but we are deliberately intentional with people for the purpose of becoming their actual friend. Now, it's true that we do have an ultimate objective of them coming to know Christ. That is not the same thing as having an ulterior motive. We're not just trying to trick them. It's not like, well, I'm only being your friend to lead you to Christ. No, we're genuinely trying to get to know them and love them and be their friend. But the point is, it's not just going to happen. So we need to go where the people are. So one of the first things that we need to do is ask the question, where am I going to go to do this? When or, or where? who are the people that I'm going to find to do this with? So I'm including uh, as part of the post, as part of this podcast, however you're getting this, there should be a PDF called My Circle of Influence. This is your fishing pond. And these are just the areas where you're going to tend to have relationships that God wants to live through. And there's people in each one of these spheres uh, where he wants us to reach people. So in these different spheres, there's us at the center. And then one sphere out is our immediate family. And then as we go clockwise around the sphere, there's also a group that are my relatives that aren't necessarily my immediate family. Then we keep going down and there's close friends. These are not my immediate family, my relatives, but they are close to me. Then as you keep going around the clock, there's work associates and neighbors. These don't necessarily belong in any of the other three spheres. And then as we go back up, making our way back to the top of the clock, there are acquaintances. These are just people, oh, I know them, they know of me, but we're not necessarily tied in any capacity. We want to ask the question, we want to actually have some prayerful, thoughtful work and say, God, who are the people in each one of these areas that you want to meet me in this season right now to be intentional with for the sake of the gospel? Meaning I'm developing a friendship with the ultimate purpose of explaining to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. That may take a while. It may take 20 minutes, uh, but it's something that I'm aiming at intentionally. Now, I would just tell you as a shortcut, if you've been walking with Jesus for very long and people know about it, the first three spheres are probably your less likely place to find fish because they already know that you are a Christ follower, and many of them, as their close friends, are already Christ followers themselves. For many of us, that's what's true. All that means is, don't give up. That means you've got to go to the other two circles, the the, le- the most far away circles, you might say. They're not really far, but they're not as close as these other people. And th- in other words, you're going to find more fish likely 
in the work associates and neighbors sphere and in the acquaintances sphere because they don't know you as well. You know, people that know you, they're like, oh boy, I know what they're going to say or, oh boy, I, this is a phase they're going through or whatever. They feel like they've heard it, even though in many cases they haven't. The point is people that don't know you quite as well are willing to maybe get to know you and trust you as you build commonality and common ground. So here's the question. In each one of these spheres, who are the people that God may be laying on your heart to be intentional with? And when do you see them? There has to be a when. If there's not a when, then we need to adjust our schedule to make time. When am I going to decide this is when I'm going to put myself in proximity to them so that I might develop that relationship further? And of course, we want to do this all with prayer. This isn't just something we're trying to do in the flesh, but it is something we're leading. We're pushing forward. We're not just saying, well, Lord, if you want to say anything about this, we're saying, Lord, what do you say about this? And you can use your little PDF worksheet if you want to. But once you get there, once you've made a parking place in your life, so we talk about on the staff of Fierce, the church that I lead, when is your parking place for certain things? When is your parking place to develop a leader? When is your parking place uh, to read leadership material? You got to have parking places in your life, meaning this is a time you've set apart in the week where you're going to work on this. Well, in the same way, we have to have a parking place for sharing our faith. It might be three times a week. It might be, and when I say sharing our faith, I don't mean present the gospel. I mean being in relationship with somebody where the ultimate intention is you want to befriend them and love them, hopefully so that they someday come to Christ. When is that? When are you building those relationships? Once you've decided when is the time and who are the people in these different spheres, Now you want to build a relationship with those who are open. Again, we're paying attention to who's open here and who's not. Some people you can just tell, dude, I'm not open about this. I I got to tell me one time um, I was, you know, trying to be his friend and and invite him to like churchy things. And he just flat out told me, he's like, hey man, you know, I appreciate it. I'm just not interested in this thing right now. Like what you're telling me, I don't care. And, you know, it was like, oh, wow, that was really blunt of him. But it was also really good because it it totally like set the table for me. I was like, oh, all right, well, then I'll be cool with you and be your bro, but I'm not going to push this agenda into your life. Uh, so what we do want to do is when they're open, we want to build common ground. Now you can build common ground about anything. The thing is you want to aim for it. That's why we have to become good question askers if we want to help people come to know Christ. We ask questions about their kids, the new baby, the new business, new friends. We're looking for common ground. What about their new marriage? Do we have any marital things in common? Maybe they really struggled or are struggling with infertility, and we know something about that. Maybe you lost a child and this person also did. Maybe you both had a rough upbringing. Maybe you're both as empty nesters now. This, These are just some of the things. What do we have in common which with these different people in these different spheres, and how can I build off that? That's not the entire relationship, but it's a place to find common ground. Maybe you both like MCU films or Star Wars films or other kinds of you know mysteries or thrillers or different kinds of books, or you go to different kinds of conventions. What can you find that is a friendly place to build off of that you don't just begin with, so turns out God does love you, but you're also a sinner and need to come to Christ. That is not the common ground that you want to build on because that's really not even loving. You are interested in them for more than that. Now, one other idea in this section, and we'll move on. There's actually 
much more we could say about this, okay? And in the workshop version, we'll go dive deep much more into this, but you want to be honest about your kingdom-centeredness. You don't want to veil your commitment to Christ. That will only backfire because it'll be like, well, why didn't you share this earlier? You're not going to trick anybody into becoming a Christian. You're not going to wade them into the water. And you don't have to be bullheaded or grab a bullhorn or, or you know, be really loud about this. You just don't want to make any effort to minimize the fact that it's true you are a Christian. So sometimes I'll say something like this. When someone asks me uh, about my my spiritual deal, often I'll lead it. Hey, tell me about your spiritual background when the relationship is an appropriate place. Tell me about your spiritual background. And they might ask me, and I will say something to the effect of, hey, I make a lot of mistakes, but God has shown me a lot of mercy. I don't always do it well, but I truly do love Jesus and I know he loves me. That phrase right there, my friends, positions things very well for you. One, you're being honest about your love for God, so that won't be a surprise at all in the future. You're also demonstrating that he loves you, and that's a very comforting thing. Many people hope God loves them, but they don't know God loves them, and so you expressing that confidence is really great. But here's a really helpful part about the beginning of the sentence. I make a lot of mistakes, but God has shown me a lot of mercy. What does that tell them? It tells them, um, I'm not just, it, it would be hard for you to categorize me as just one of the hypocrites, hypocrites that people talk about because I'm telling you on the front end, I do make a lot of mistakes. You will find inconsistency consistency in my character. Now, especially if you have, you know, some pretty decent character, they're going to say, oh, that seems very humble because I don't see that a lot in you, but they will find it eventually, probably. And then you say, God has shown me a lot of mercy. That means you have an awareness. You're not trying to be a good person for God. God loves you, and he has shown you a lot of mercy. In other words, you're presenting a little mini gospel drop right here. I make a lot of mistakes, but God has shown me a lot of mercy. I don't always do it well, but I truly love Jesus, and he loves me. So I would commend that to you as a line that you've memorized that explains how you feel about Jesus with relative ease. So what do we say? In deliberate intentionality, we said there's really three things that people need. We need, if we're going to help someone know Christ, we pray for them, we're around them, and we invite them. In these first two sections, we said spiritual preparation is so important. This is the Christmas cookie dough. We said deliberate intentionality. This is the idea that I want to have a fish finder. I don't want to just float out into the middle of the pond and hope something happens. Uh, We're going to go where the people are. We're going to be intentional about our spheres of authority, and we're going to build relationship with those who are open. We're going to build common ground based on what we actually know about them that would be a helpful place to you know, connect on. And we're going to be their actual friend and not veil our Jesus commitment slash centeredness. All right, we'll come back in the next section and talk about gentle clarity. All right, welcome back to part three. So again, we said the very first thing we need to do is spiritually prepare. As we are preparing, we want to be deliberately intentional with people. And then finally, we want to have gentle clarity. Okay, so when I was in high school, uh, I had a history professor that really just did a poor job. I think a lot of history professors do a poor job for this very reason. 
They share random details about history, but they don't share the story. They don't share the stakes. They don't share what it means that these things happened and what it led to. I am now in my adult life very much of a uh, amateur historian. I love history. I want to devour as much of it as I can, but that is largely because I now understand the stories and the story. Whereas before I did not because the ones explaining it to me just gave me bits and pieces without helping me see the big picture. We need to be careful of that with regard to the gospel. Many people know things about Jesus. They just don't know the fullness of the story. No one has taken the time to explain it to them in a compelling way where they get the big ideas uh, so that they can appropriate them into their own life. Explaining the gospel to others takes more than hope and vague ideas about the gospel. It takes clarity and intentionality. So here's where we're going to begin. We're going to begin with love before judgment. You know, there's many folks uh, that will tell you, hey man, start with the law. And I can see how they get there. Ray Comfort and his organization and the things that they do, Way of the Master. Now, I'm no Ray Comfort, okay? And and he, he kills this. He's so awesome at this. And maybe there's people that are really gifted with that particular way of doing it like he is, where you just, you preach the law to somebody until they like almost cry and then you give them the gospel. Not saying, not trying to minimize the wonderfulness of what he does. I do think you should help them understand judgment is real, but we start with love, the love of God, because love is the motivation for the father himself. God himself, it was because of love that he sent the son, not so he could punish those who had betrayed the law. He sent the son because of love. It is his great love for us that causes him to initiate salvation. And people need to understand that love is such a thing that it would crucify the son of God. That's a really big deal. So I always want to start with, hey, before anything else, no matter who I'm talking to, can you understand, you have to understand the love of God first or you're not going to get this. So we begin with love before judgment. That's just going to characterize how we talk about it. We're not going to hide the judgment. We're just going to begin with love. We're going to take the pressure off of us. As we said in the first section, the lost coming to Jesus is a power of God thing. That's why the disciples were commanded by Jesus to wait for the Holy Spirit. He said, oh my word, guys, don't even think for a minute that you're going to be able to do this. You need to wait. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Yeah, you can be my witnesses, but don't you dare try that without the Holy Spirit doing it. We need the Spirit of God active in someone. That's why we did the whole first section, spiritual preparation. And we need the Spirit of God active as we go to share this. Without communication, let's remember, people don't become born again. So we start with the love of God. Then we're going to go to the breaking of the law faith toward Christ. Christ is the only way to be saved. Christ himself is the one who saves us. And usually in most cases, I'm going to keep this about uh, faith in Jesus' ability and desire 
to save us. Okay. Some people want to get you on a tangent and you have to watch for tangents. People and the enemy, especially will try to pull you into, well, let's talk about this minor issue. I've heard people try to talk, well, let's talk about evolution or let's talk about, is Jesus really the only way? Hey, there are answers to those questions and I will defend them to the death, but I will tell you, you do not need to solve that for somebody for them to get saved. Those, you don't need to believe the right things about evolution. All they need to do is believe that Jesus is the way God has sent them to save them. Don't argue people into faith in Christ. Help them put their faith in the legitimate answer to their salvation need, which is Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ's desire and ability to save them. And then that includes repentance from sin. God is asking for you to, with his help, turn your sin over to him and let him be your king. We don't want to be afraid to talk about sin. So let me tell you what you can do to make this less awkward, okay? As far as I can tell, this is always a faith step. It's never like, oh, this doesn't bother me at all. I need no faith to do this. That's probably a bad sign if you need no faith to do it. But God works by our faith. To make it less awkward, here's what I'm going to suggest. A rehearsed testimony, meaning you rehearse it. An explanation or two that you rehearse so that you are ready when called upon to do this and a rehearsed invitation little mini monologue script that you have just in your head of how you would do this again not necessarily memorizing literal lines i'm not saying that would be bad you're just ready you kind of know the paths you know the moves here on the chessboard to help bring this about and we want to practice till it sounds natural okay so many of you might be familiar with the napkin explanation you can do it on a napkin and it is just crossing the bridge okay this may have been done a lot but it is it works very well all right so don't poo poo it until you've tried it a few times we start with just these two cliffs on either side of the napkin we say here is you here's god on the other side I start telling the story. God longs to be with you. He, his heart breaks that you cannot be together, but sin has separated you. And you know you're a sinner, right? I mean, you know you've broken the law. You know you've lied. You know that you've had unfaithful thoughts at the very least. You know that you've even sensed God wanting you to do good and you left it undone. And at the end of the day, there are consequences for that separation. Not that God wants, but that we have chosen to be separated from God. And often I might even bring up times when as a kid, I, you know, I remember looking at among my first porn magazines and kind of sensing God doesn't want you to do that. And yet I remember hardening in my heart in unrighteousness saying, I'm not going to worry about what God wants. I'm going to do what I want. Thank you very much. Many people can relate to that kind of a thing. And so I bring that kind of a thing up. I might not be that explicit depending on how well I know that person, but whatever would be helpful that is relationally appropriate, I might bring up. And then I talk about, here's the cross and Jesus makes the way. And that's an illustration. Now, again, they might need several of these and they might need several conversations. You don't need to close the deal here today, but you do want to be able to explain it. Another one might be the uh, testimony version where you just say, and, and in the workshop that is not a part of this particular podcast or audio, we go through an entire section on here's how to craft one or two testimonies that are really more robust. But in the shortened version, let me just say, it is a beginning, middle, and end. It is a, here's who I was before Christ. Here's what happened that I encountered Christ and he became very real to me. And here's how life with him has been ever since. And we don't uh, color that. 
you know, to make it perfect. We just say, this is how it really was, hopefully in ways that they relate to. Now, at the end of either of those, so whether it's a rehearsed testimony or a rehearsed explanation, we have an invitation. And this is where we say, hey, you know, we've gone through this once or twice. We've talked about this. Can I just ask you, and you're being honest here, what is stopping you? I feel like you understand it now. What is stopping you from giving your life to Jesus Christ? If you know that you have to trust him, if you do believe actually that he is God, he wants to save you and has the power to save you, what keeps you from doing this? And then I just pause and let them answer that question. And often, most of the time, they will say, this doesn't, hasn't happened every time for me, but it happens a lot of the time. I don't think anything. I think, I think I'm ready to do it right now. That sounds like I would want to do that and say, hey, that's great. Can I lead you in a prayer to do that? And then I just pray for them. I don't make them pray unless occasionally, if it seems like they're the kind of person who would be fine with that. I pray for them. I say, hey, would you just, I'm going to pray this and you just think it in your heart. And I pray, Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I thank you so much that you love whoever it is enough to come after them despite their sinfulness and you want to save them right now. I give you, and maybe I'll first person it. I give you my life. I accept your forgiveness. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit. Help me get on a good track to not do perfect, but to keep growing my walk with Christ. Keep taking a step toward you. Fill them with your Holy Spirit right now in Jesus name. Amen. That's pretty much it. Then I congratulate them and then I invite them. If they haven't already been to church, I invite them to church. There might be a book or two. Often it's good to give them something thing. Maybe I'll give them more than a carpenter by Josh McDowell, or I'll give them how good is good enough by Andy Stanley, something to reinforce what they've just done. Maybe even the purpose driven life. Any of those are good. Giving them something to go on. So that doesn't just drop. You don't know necessarily what the enemy is going to attack them with next. And then you just encourage them, you celebrate them, and then you follow up with them. So we talked about a lot today. We talked about spiritual preparation. Remember, this is the right cookie dough mix. I got to have good theology and I got to prepare their hearts in prayer. We have to have deliberate intentionality. I want to go where the fish are. I want to pre-think through and pray through who is this going to be and where is it? And what is the common ground I'm trying to build with them? And then finally, gentle clarity. Remember, this is poor history professors only share random details without giving me the big picture of the entire story that I find myself in. And we talked about the fact that I want to begin with love before judgment, though I do need to get to the breaking of the law and faith toward Christ, the Christ who wants to save me and can save me. He has the power. He has been raised from the dead. The cross was enough, that kind of thing. And I want to do two things. I want to have a rehearsed testimony ready and a rehearsed explanation, such as the napkin explanation, which we'll include in some kind of PDF with this post, or you can find it at the website, wherever you think you would go to get this audio. And then we're just going to very lovingly, very patiently explain it. And then we invite, Hey, we've talked about a lot today. What is stopping you? Here's where you are on the bridge. What is keeping you from accepting Jesus forgiveness and crossing over? Now they may say, well, I've still got some questions about this, that, or the other thing. You want to affirm that, hey, that's totally legit. Here's what I would encourage you. Here, I'm going to send you some YouTube videos on that very thing. Or if they want to talk to a pastor, hey, can I set up a meeting between you and my pastor or something like that? Something just to get them taking the next step instead of just walking away. And then you pray for them. So here's my challenges for you today. Number one, pray for opportunities to share your God story. Number two, review your spheres of influence. 
And number three, practice drawing out the bridge illustration and being able to share that or another concise way of here's a way to explain the gospel. Well, my friends, I hope you found this helpful. Please leave any feedback for me in the comments, but God bless you as you go on sharing your God story with others.